This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. To kind of prepare the people who are listening, I know as much about you as anybody else um, listening, really. <laughs> so that's, that's what we were saying at the start, which is kind of cool. I don't want to ask the big question of like, who are you? But uh, let's start with just, let's start with where you're at currently. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the moment and what you're focused on. Um, maybe I should start with that, um, that I learned a lot of my, my business mm-hmm. um, by just being out there. And uh, if I can say this word, I, I can't, I don't know another word, but if just being out there and getting my ass kicked. Yep. into in deals and and that's just the way i i learned it but i also learned a lot about psychology because i also spent a lot of time uh on a couch telling a professional about getting my ass kicked out there because right. <laughs> uh, it can it can be very difficult and um so i had this uh built-in uh, because I came from a very poor uh, family, I had this built-in uh, desire to to make some money. My my father worked at a golf course, and I hung around all of these real rich guys that came every afternoon to play golf. And mm. and I, so I learned a lot of business from them. But I also learned that um, well, maybe this is kind of something that I want in my life. But there's some profound things that I've discovered. Um, one is that um, pain causes change. Pain in your life causes change in a good way. Uh, two, uh, cognitive, there's this thing, uh, this psychological term called cognitive distortion we, we, that gets in the way of your success. And then it's real important to know why I was doing the things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And in my earlier stages, I didn't know any of that. I just knew that I have to go out and I have to work because I need to make money. And that was my sole focus. And everything else came second and everything else was a disaster in my life (laughs) because of that. Um, You know, family life was horrible, um, but work was good. Right. And then uh, I made a lot of money doing it. And then I reached a, a point where um, two things happened. One is that um, I started asking the question about, well, what's life really about? Okay, now I've, I've got this money and I've, I'm getting calls from all these real rich guys to go and work on these projects for them and make them more money. But I was still like, what am I missing something in my life? Mm. Um, and I know this is kind of, this is kind of hard for a lot of people to hear because some people are still saying, yeah, but I, I still need to pay the bills and everything. You know, well, yeah, we all need to always pay the bills. But I reached a point where I said, there's got to be more to life than this. And at the same time I was, I was doing that, I had worked so much. I mean, I literally was getting on an airplane um, on Monday morning and being in two or three different cities uh, and then I would come home on a Friday night or Saturday morning, have two days at home, and then go and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. And so what happened there was I worked and worked and worked and worked and worked, and then I, my life just, my health fell apart. I pushed myself way beyond anything that uh, I could physically handle. And, uh, and that coupled with asking the question, what is life all about? <laughs> uh started my whole my whole life change and so this is when i learned that uh pain causes change because here i was this this business guy that everyone knew as this business guy and you know some even jokingly called me hey he's a real guru he can help you with this um and then I didn't have that anymore. I lost who I was because I lost my health and I had to stop. I had to really stop doing, working the way I was doing. I, I was in the hospital three times and on the third time, the doctor said, okay, you can continue this or, 
or you'll die an early death. So I had to stop. So when I stopped, um, I had already uh, lost my, uh, my wife and family before that because I just worked and couldn't pay any attention to them. And, um, and then the last thing that happened here is I lost my identity because now I'm, I'm not this guy that's running around doing all this real estate stuff. And, you know, I'm not this guru anymore. So I didn't know who I was. So that was the start of my, my biggest challenge life was to redefine me and my life and who I was. Um, and, and so I, I talked about this cognitive distortion thing. That's a psychological term that I, that I learned and that we as human beings have this, this need to uh, distort reality to kind of fit our, our way. I'll give you an example. There's a, I, I had a doctor friend, real, real good, real, real uh, qualified high level doctor and um, his life was falling apart and uh, but he would you ask him how how it's going and he says hey I'm living the dream I'm living the dream right and uh, but in the background his his wife has run off with with his two children with another woman (laughs) and but he's you know living the dream still kind of thing so this is this is the whole cognitive distortion just to to give give you a a set. So you have to fight through and be real. You have to try to, uh, and, but in that reality, as you mentioned on your, on your website, in that reality is this thing called vulnerability. Because um, in order to be real, you have to be able to be vulnerable to the truth. And that's a hard thing, especially when you're coming from where I came from, a, a high level business world you you can't if you're vulnerable they crush you right but what i learned is the opposite if you are vulnerable then you are you are honest you are real and they don't crush you they actually it actually has an opposite effect but we've been been um conditioned that you 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 cannot be vulnerable because we are conditioned that vulnerability is a sign of weakness. But it's really not. And so that was another very difficult process to, to work through, something I still fight with every day. But if we can define the, the, the next thing I said is to talk about the why we do what we do. And if I was able to define why I was doing what I was doing back when I was doing it, <laughs> Um, I think I'd have been, I'd have a different life. I'd have a different life going forward from that point. If I had known, okay, I'm, instead of, I'm just working because I was so poor that I need money, 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 more, 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 more. If I had known that, no, I need it to support um, a nice, I want to have a family. I want to have uh, a decent home. I want to have this then maybe I would have been able to have a little balance. So that's where I'm at now. And that's, that's really, I, I'm still in that process. And I have to be very mindful of all of that, all of, all of that process. I know that was a long answer to your short question, but. <laughs> no, I, I like long answers, man. That's, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much in there for us to, to pull apart. You, you've, yeah. you've kind of captured such a classic character type of the person who grew up in lack and scarcity said never again you know i'm gonna solve that problem and then became so obsessed with it that they created like an opposite but equally extreme problem the kind of problem of success and and, i mean the number of sort of highly successful business types who have neglected their health and family I mean, it's, it's almost tragically funny how, how classic that type is. What's interesting is, is that you've been able to break through that. And of course, for me and my own personal interests, that honesty and vulnerability was such a huge factor in that. So there's so many things I want to dive into. Now, I think I'm going to take the thing I'm most interested in first 
which is kind of the myth that vulnerability is weakness. What I'm hearing from you is a belief very similar to my own, which is the man who's fully vulnerable is actually the strongest. Tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on both how you, I want to learn how you came to believe that you couldn't show vulnerability or you'd get crushed. And then what was it that changed that belief for you? I, um, I watched all of these uh, business guys when I was growing up. They, were, they all seemed like they were in control mm. and untouchable and everything seemed to, uh, their life seemed to be perfect with absolutely no problems. Um, at the same time, they were, they were coming into the country club and sitting at the bar and, and uh, having a few too many sometimes. Right. Uh, so um, that's what I saw. And that was my example. And so as a, as a, a young person, I, I mimicked that. And I thought, okay, I have to be strong. I have to, I have to, uh, you know, be perfect. I have to be the one in control in this meeting. I have to be the one that's, that's um, um, everyone can look to and I have to be the rock. Mm. And it wasn't until I went, I, you know, had this uh, major, um, these, these problems that I, that I mentioned to you where I, where I um, suffered from uh, my health from just work, 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 work that I uh, was able to um, start to understand more about life in general. And, um, um, uh, okay, I'll, I'll be vulnerable in this instance right now, for example. Oh, please um, yeah. I had a, um, I kept hearing when, when, I, when I was going through this, this, uh, this process early on, I kept hearing this, um, this uh, voice that was saying, um, the voice was saying, St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. Thomas. And I'm kind of a religious guy myself. Um, but in that hearing that St. Thomas, I thought it meant, being from the U.S., I thought it meant I have to get myself to the island of St. Thomas, the Caribbean island of St. Thomas. Right. Because there's a St. Thomas. So I kept hearing this voice and I kept thinking, I have to go there, I have to go there, I have to go there. And then um, one day I was uh, in, in church and I... I kept walking by this um, old, uh, she was an 86-year-old nun. And at, at the end of uh, church, I would walk uh, past her, and she would just smile, and I would smile back at her. And um, that went on for weeks. And then one day I decided, um, well, I'll take a chance, and I'll stop and start talking to her. And when I started talking to her, I, I realized that... Um, she came from uh, an order of nuns that had uh, followed the, the teachings of St. Thomas. Mm -hmm. And in that instance, my chin dropped to the floor and I thought, oh man, I'm not supposed to go to the island. This was the St. Thomas connection that I, I needed. But the reason why I tell that story is because she was the one that helped me understand vulnerability. Because from that meeting on, I met her almost um, uh, once or twice um, a month. And we would sit and have a coffee and we would just talk about life. And in that, those conversations, this is where she talked about vulnerability. And uh, she apparently felt that I was not, not willing to be vulnerable. Mm. Um, but, but she gave me the courage to, to open up, to talk to her. And to know that it's okay to be vulnerable and that she was a safe person I could start to be vulnerable with um, and share my, my inner feelings and my inner, my deep thoughts with, without any kind of reaction or only with um, love basically and care. And um, through the years of uh, being with her, I was, I was, maybe five, I think five years uh, in, her, in her presence, that then I uh, was able to start to say, okay, 
I can try to be a little bit vulnerable in this business situation. Um, and so that's how it just started. And, and it's something that I have to work on every single minute of the day mm. to be vulnerable. And, and, and actually, I, I know what will happen to me now after telling you this story, because it came, it came deep from my heart. After telling you this story, I, after our podcast is, is over here and everything, I'll, I'll have fear. Half an hour after, after we hang up here, I will have fear of, oh, man, I, t I said too much. I feel vulnerable. And um, it, it'll be the same fear I had when my, my book first got published. I thought, oh. I'm out there now. Mm -hmm. I'm standing there in front of everyone bare naked <laughs> and they can all, I'm open for criticism now. And so, um, so it's a hard thing um, to do, but I, but I've learned that that's the only way because the only way is to go forward through that, which is hard like this being vulnerable um, because the other side is always, is always better and your circle of influence or whatever always grows when you're able to walk out of it but it's scary yes it is um it's so funny i, I, I i'm scared <laughs> when uh especially when you talked about public, when i first when i published my first book i mean i'd been okay building up to it and I think just the moment, I can't remember exactly what it was, was sending out an email perhaps or just hitting complete on Amazon. Some point where it was officially published, I just remember going, oh shit, what have I done? Because there was just so <laughs> much personal stuff in there and it just hadn't clicked to yeah. me that I'd just put that out for anyone to read. Right. And frankly, I was more scared of people in my inner circle, not my inner inner circle, like you, I practice vulnerability with safe people first. And it's actually a, a kind of a technique I recommend for people is first you practice with the ones you don't have to worry about the reaction, you know, and then you build up to the, the big bad world um, through that practice. But I realized, you know, there's stuff, there's really personal stuff in this book that sort of friends, people I went to high school, people I'm, I've done work with or business with, are going to read this and they're going to make judgments about me based on this information. I can't do anything about yeah. the judgments they make. I can't control that. I can't even make sure it's accurate. Uh, it's a very, very naked, unprotected feeling. Um, and it comes afterwards, which was really interesting. And it was the same for me. So I, I had a, um, I had a guy call me on the book. This, this is in that same book. I had a guy, um, he was a um, sophomore at a, a very well-to-do university in the U.S. And he had, he had tracked me down and, and got my um, contact information. And uh, he asked me, I'll never forget this question. He asked me, okay, I've read your book and it's really good. And this is what I'm studying. So um, what do I do next? I'm a sophomore at this university. What do I do next? And I thought, oh wow, I never expected that kind of a, a question from the book. And I, I, cause I, my first reaction was, I don't know. <laughs> I wrote the book based on, on a look back. I mean, I'm, I wanted to say, I'm, I'm real sorry to tell you that I just don't know what your next step is. All I wrote was how I did it. And based on my own, uh, experiences. Um, but I thought and I thought and I thought, what, what, would, what should I say to him? And, um, and, and so I, I, all I could come up with was, look, I, I just tried. I tried and these are the things in my book that I, that I, I did and I'm sure um, they work because I did them. And I'm sure you could try them, but if you have a little bit different approach to it than I did, then it may work better or may not work at all for you. Um, but if I was you, I told him, and I was a senior and I was a sophomore, I would just enjoy my sophomore year there and try to become a junior <laughs> next year <laughs> and, just, and then try to graduate after that. Um, but don't get too far ahead of yourself in your 
in your thinking. Um, but I said that, that I brought that up because it, it made me feel so vulnerable to like his life. Like I, I don't, this, I, I didn't write the book to be responsible for, you know, for your life. I'm just, I, wow. I was like, Ooh, I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can, but please don't put all this pressure on me. <laughs> I felt. <laughs> well, you've actually, you know, you've nailed something on the head there. One of the many reasons that people are afraid of being vulnerable is a sense of responsibility for the reaction to it. Like you're going to have to manage the emotions and the response. And, and that's very overwhelming for people. Like, especially if vulnerability is say confrontational, like I'm going to challenge your beliefs or I'll challenge the way you live. If they then go, well, so what should I do? You go, oh, I don't know. That's that, that I don't know. I know what you're doing wrong, but I, I don't want to tell you what's right. Cause I, uh, yeah. it's actually very vulnerable to even say, I don't know. Isn't it amazing how yeah. many people are incapable of saying that? You ask them advice yeah. on anything, something miles out of their field of expertise, and they'll still have an opinion, you know, because they just don't want to say, you know what, I have no idea. Yeah. And I suppose that's what you saw in those, those businessmen at the golf club is none of them showed any sign of not knowing. Um, so they were either very, very knowledgeable or bluffing, you know. But of course, a, a young boy watching that's not going to know the difference. And you know, the bit that uh, stood out to me, when you look back, you can see now that maybe some of them were dependent on alcohol for confidence or they had problems there. That cognitive distortion comes from not actually looking at all the evidence and not really interpreting what's really happening. You just see these bits like, oh, they look like they know what they're doing. I should look like that without seeing that. Oh, they seem to rely on alcohol. Maybe their life isn't so awesome. Isn't it amazing how we cut out yeah. the evidence and we create a picture? Yeah. There's kind of two things um, that sort of came up for me that, that you can help the people listening with. One, I think, is I really want to know what it was that the nun was said or did to convince you that vulnerability is not only safe to do, but is the preferred option, especially coming from the position you were coming from. And then secondly, how it is that somebody who is convinced that being vulnerable is the right way to go, but too scared to do it, how it is that they build up their courage. So let's start with the first one. I mean, you're not going to be able to remember five years worth of conversations, I'm sure, but what were some of the key things that none said or, or did with you that opened you up and and made you shift your beliefs on what uh whether or not vulnerability is right or wrong um the first thing was it was a it was a real gradual and slow process it doesn't happen in an instant it doesn't happen overnight it's a very slow process um which i gradually needed to uh to feel safe with this person. Because I, I can tell you, you know, sometimes family members you can't be safe with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, um, there's these people sometimes, uh, they don't have, it can be family, it can be anyone, but they, they take the information you share with them and they hold it to be able to use it as a weapon against you later mm. in, in life or in an argument so that they maybe can win. So. So when I, when I gradually felt more and more comfortable with her and the things that I was saying, um, but I, I think that the main thing, I, I know this sounds kind of esoteric and stuff, but it's so, it's so true is, um, and I think that the, the only word I can come up with is love, is she, she showed me that um, that there's this um, love, there's different levels of love. Um, there's the romantic love, then there's just uh, the love of a person, um, then there's this love that has, uh, comes with um, um, certain, um, I guess, certain rules around it or something like. The conditional um, sort of thing. Yeah. 
but I knew that she had this unconditional love. I, I, cause I had to feel it from her too. I knew she had this unconditional love where she was actually trying to help me grow as a person. Um, and expand my, my walls, break down my walls and expand my walls. Um, because I, I had no vulnerability. So, um, so I, I can, I guess what I'm saying is that it took on a whole new situation for me in business. You know, before I was more uh, a shark that could smell the blood in the water. And then when I smelled the blood, I looked for the weak spot and uh, then um, I took advantage of the weak spot. Hmm. Now I, yeah, I can still smell the blood in the water, but I'm not shark like with it anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm more, um, uh, I more try to help that person to see maybe this is not a good project for them and why and, and how I can help them with the project as opposed to just coming in as a shark and just tear, tearing it up and exploiting their weaknesses. Um, so her showing me um, vulnerability allowed me to see others, I think, vulnerabilities yeah. that they were hiding, that they were afraid to, to see. And, and when I did that, though, I noticed that um, I had a lot more, um, I had a lot less stress in my life. Um, I had a lot less stress in a, in a business situation because I became um, indifferent to the results of the business situation or the business negotiation. Whereas before I would go into the, to the negotiation and I was, I was connected to the outcome that I wanted to win and I wanted to um, win this project. After with her, I go into a business situation, not thinking about the outcome. Yes. Yes, I, I would still like to have the project, but it's not the same attachment to it. Mm. Um, it's more of an indifference like, okay, um, I will do this. I can do this for you. Um, would that work? And if they say no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it now. Whereas before I would sit there and I would, I would try my hardest to convince them and tell them how wrong it is and just... And, and load myself with all of this stress. By being, by being indifferent to the outcome, I have a lot less stress. And that indifference is related to being vulnerable because in order to be indifferent to the outcome, you also have to be vulnerable to the conversation and stuff. And know that, okay, I'm just going to be honest here and move on forward in honesty and vulnerability and whatever happens is okay. This wow, is deep you, kind of stuff. <laughs> no, but yet you're, you're hitting so many key points. Um, so something we talk about in Brojo all the time, letting go of outcomes, that dependency, that attachment to them and how that actually is where the neediness comes from, creates the neediness that distorts you know, your ability to be confident and honest. And what you've done is you've, you've actually linked that with vulnerability, how the cure to that neediness is actually refocusing your attention on vulnerability. Now, what I liked is, you know, it's like what the Stoics called preferred indifference. You do have something you'd prefer to happen, but it's not the same as being attached to it happening. Right. You also mentioned something really that I resonate with a lot because I was so manipulative, I developed essentially a skill set. Like you say, smelling the blood in the water. I just, I knew what I needed to say because I could just look at a person and just go, I know how to move this person. Sometimes I'd have to take, get to know them a little bit first. Other times I could just smell it. And I still have that sense of anything. It's even greater now. Just I don't abuse it like I used to. Now I want to use it to help people. I can see their weakness um, and that's an opportunity 
to be of service to them rather than an opportunity to take from them. That's such a huge shift for me, you know, and, and to almost have that kind of power over someone to go, you know, I could use this against you, but if I'm honest, then I won't be able to use it against you. If I put out there what I think and feel and know, then I, you're no longer at risk of manipulation. It's, it's such a huge thing to give that up. Um, and I can only imagine mine was more in the social sphere than the business sphere. To have that ability to make more money with this heightened sensitivity to people's weaknesses and then choose honesty instead, that's a gigantic leap. Which I guess brings me to that, that question, how were you able to... I guess, make that choice to courageously choose to be vulnerable rather than guarantee yourself the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think this is a good question that you're asking. You're, you're actually forcing me to think deeper into this. Um, and for me, it's a, um, a feeling uh, of um, it's beyond winning. It's, it's more of a, have I contributed something that can make this world, say, a better place just for me, even if it's a little better, but just for me being here. And that's where I got to is that I have, I have less of a, before it was more selfish. I want the money. I want to win. I, I need to win. Um, I'm going to win, um, which is okay in sport but in life and business, maybe not so. But, but um, when it becomes, no, I need to do something. I need to live in a way. I need to help this person in this project, whatever, in a way that makes a difference in life or in this world for me just having been here. Yeah, I really like that, that I concept beyond winning that kind of enlightenment. Um, this is, yeah, that's interesting that how that's a, f a very sporting focus, isn't it? It's, it's almost like, I mean, sport really is just a symbol of war, you know, it's that domination of someone else and there's still a time and a place for that. But what's interesting is you're saying that business is not the place for that. And I know there's a lot of people out there who think it is, that business is basically dog eat dog. And what you're talking about is a shift to much more about service and not self-sacrificing service either service where everyone involved wins essentially. So you've somehow come to the conclusion that you being vulnerably honest is the surest path to everybody getting the most out of the situation, the surest path to, to having a positive impact. Um, more so than you trying to win or trying to beat others, maybe that definition of winning. That's, it's quite an incredible shift, one that I think, I mean, you don't need to convince me. I'm absolutely convinced that going into a situation, just being raw, just being honest and letting everybody come to conclusions on their own is by far the best way to do business. Uh, yet I'm constantly coming up against people who, clearly don't believe that <laughs> you know it's 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 almost painful to watch because i think actually you're not winning you're missing out you think you're winning yeah you get yourself yeah. pat on the back but well you've had the crises that that leads up to the loss of family the loss of health those horrible things i think the people who believe in winning either haven't experienced that or like your doctor friend they're able to reframe the situation and they have that distortion where they say, I'm doing well, when really they're not. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right on. Well, I think you're right on too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a, uh, I had a, I'll, I'll try to put it in, in uh, like an example situation. I had a conversation, I, I've had numerous conversations with this guy um, that wants to, he wants to sell this property, his property. Um, but for me, his price is too high. And so I've met with him 
a lot of times and uh, I've said, yes, I, I'd be interested. I like your property, but for me, um, I can't pay that, that number because when I start doing all of the investment analysis of it, it doesn't make sense for my investment plan to do it. But he really needs to, he really needs to sell and he's really, now he's starting to get into more and more, more trouble. So I've, I've said to him, I'll, I'll keep it in mind and you know, I'll talk to a few other people that I know um, that may be able to, it may fit into their investment plan at your price. Um, and the whole, the whole feeling inside of me though, is that I'm not, this is back to the indifference thing. I'm not attached to the outcome. Um, I'm saying I can help you, but under these certain terms and situation and circumstances is how I can help you. Yeah. If, if you are not interested in me helping you in that way, then I don't see a way to be able to help you. And I think that's a hard thing. I mean, that was really hard for me to do uh, in the past. Um, I couldn't say that. I would always try to figure out a way to, to get this property or, or talk him down in price or, or you know, go around and go to his bank or whatever, just try to, say, to get it from him. But now I, I am more just, okay, this is how I can help you. And it's okay. It's okay that, that that's the way it is. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say, um, I can help you, but here's how I can help you. But if you're not interested, it's okay. And he gets all upset sometimes at me. And I'll say, it's okay. I don't have any, I have no anger. I have nothing for you. You can call me whenever you want. It's okay. We can talk about it, but this is all I can do. And man, the, 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 the least, the, 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 it used to be a stressful situation for me, but now it's like a, there's no stress there now in this because I'm completely disconnected from the outcome. But yet I'm, I know that I'm offering him help the way I can do it. And so, yeah, people, can't, people aren't always going to want help the way you can help them. And, you know, I have this funny, <laughs> I have this funny saying, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's no good deed goes unpunished. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Well, I've got a question. To be a... So I want to run past you. This is one I don't actually have the answer to yet. My vulnerability. This is one I've just got a big fat, I don't know. You and I have something similar. With you, it's in the business world. With me, it was in the social world. We followed a path of trying to win and eventually we got to the point where we were winning by that definition. So you were becoming very successful in business and I learned how to successfully manipulate people into liking me or even girls into sleeping with me and that kind of thing. So I got to that point where I finally thought I was winning and yet like you, my whole life was really a mess. Um, now that created the crisis which led me to discover honesty to find hey there's this other way of living that's rewarding in and of itself and therefore i no longer really need anyone to like me anymore it's kind of i can fill my own cup with this behavior what i wonder is does somebody have to go through the whole rigmarole of chasing the win until they have the crisis for them to even believe in this vulnerability thing. Because I, I meet so many people who are like on the path, you know, you're talking to the, the sophomore at um, college. I meet people who are going down the same track I was going down. And I think, you know, you can get off here. You don't have to go all the way down. You don't have to go through all the bullshit to finally realize that that's not the right way to do things. And yet some of them, it doesn't hurt enough. You know, I, I imagine you've encountered, encountered that in, in the business world. There's guys who are winning. They love winning and nothing's really going wrong in their life yet. And so it's hard. You're hard put to convince them to be vulnerable now. So I guess my question is, do you think it's possible for someone to actually make that switch to focusing on their integrity and vulnerability rather than winning before the crisis? 
or do they have to crash first? Well, I'm a big believer in uh, pain causes change. Sure. Um, and I also, I also believe that at the same time, I believe that in order for someone to change on their own, to get off of that path, they need a catalyst to help them. Um, because I think what I've learned all those years on the, on the psychologist couch, what I learned is that our brains are wired for pleasure. It's just a normal um, biological thing. When, when, our, when our brains are feeling pleasure, that means we're not getting chased by a lion and going to be eaten. So our bodies seek the, the easy way, I guess, the pleasurable way. And, and we do that by, sometimes we distract ourselves with other things. Um, so I don't think, no, I, I, I think you need a catalyst. I think, um, and I think pain is a great, great catalyst for someone to really truly change. Because I, I know some very successful per, per people um, I had a business partner many, many years ago who was on this, this uh, same path. And, um, and then he and I talked and, and he told me that he couldn't do it. He couldn't, he, he knew it. It was, it was conscious in his head, but he couldn't do it. And I think that was because he didn't have enough motivation to do it. He didn't have the pain to do it. His life was easy. He was, he was himself doing a lot of business and, and um, he had no other motivation to do it. So to answer your question, I, I think that uh, welcoming pain into your life is a good thing. Instead of running away from uh, the problem, I think for uh, going straight ahead into the, pro into the uh, problem is where, where we need to go in order to change. Well, you're kind of preaching to the choir on that one. I totally <laughs> agree, but I also know, you know, I absolutely did not agree with that just a couple of decades ago. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll put the question this way, because I agree that there's, there's catalyst and pain that essentially, and sometimes those are the same thing. Pain is the catalyst. For me, there was a very specific moment where I manipulated a woman to come home with me and just felt so disgusting about it and just so, so wrong that I didn't even go through with it in the end. And the next day I woke up and I, like you, I was like, well, who am I if I'm not this charming social guy? If I don't have that identity anymore, what am I? And, and then I actually wanted to, and it was a very, very painful moment for me. Uh, psychologically, I didn't have the physical sickness like you, but just the, the absolutely kind of existential loss of self this i don't even know what i am so what am i doing here what i want to know is let's say if we rewound the clock from your crisis and your catalyst i don't know five years earlier whatever you considered like to be the peak of you kind of crushing in a business before things went um really bad in, in other areas of your life i mean what would someone have how would someone have steered you on a new path when you were in that high and you're comfortable and not feeling any pain? Like, would they have been able to correct course with you or would you had to keep going until it hurts? I, I don't know. I don't know of a way they could have done it because I thought that I had figured out the secret to life. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I was working hard. Yes. Uh, uh, but I, I, that's what I thought you had to do, work hard. And I was making a lot of money and, and I, I had my golf course membership and I, was, uh, I could walk through the country club and everyone knew me and all of this, all of this crazy stuff that meant nothing. Um, so no, how do, you, how do you change someone when you have all those, all those other distractions going on that are pointing to, oh, he's such a good guy. Hey, do you want to play in this... Uh, um, fundraiser for us. We would love you to be uh, on the on the uh, team with us. 
or um, hey, I'll see you at the club. We'll have uh, a, a round of golf and some and some uh, lunch after or dinner or whatever, and talk about uh, the next business deal or something. I mean, or you know, going out on the boat or something. Just uh, all of these distractions. How do you how do you break someone away from that? I I, I there's no way I could have if someone came to me and said, hey, you're on the wrong path. Dude, it's time to get off. I'd have laughed at them. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was the same dilemma I had. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I'd found out the formula then. I, I was even trying to teach people. I was so excited. Um, <laughs> I'm glad nobody really listened. No, I, I used to rehabilitate criminal offenders, and I remember there'd be a couple of guys who had just been promoted in the gang, and they were now running the show and like going to prison was an enjoyable experience for them. You know, they were the king of the prison and they got privileges in there that they couldn't even get on the outside to try and convince someone like that, that maybe prison isn't the best way to live. It wasn't possible that you're trying to tell them that the secret formula that they've figured out that feels awesome all the time is kind of a, a fool's gold. They just couldn't buy it. And you had to wait for another 10 years for, you know, the brain damage of alcohol abuse and the finding out that the gang doesn't actually love you and they're just using you and all the stuff that they have to go through before they go, Oh yeah, maybe that wasn't such a great call. And then it's almost kind of heartbreaking to see them. They would then become mentors, you know, they'd get out into the community and they would try and steer the youth away from crime and they'd say, you know, don't do what I did. And you see the youth rolling their eyes and going, yeah, whatever granddad. And you just watch all this thinking, Oh, you're going to be like him and you're going to have to go through that same path. I guess that's always been my, you know, when I talk to someone like you, especially because, you know, your story is really the hero's journey. You had to figure it all out on your own. And I don't mean that you didn't have support and guidance and mentors, but you had to go and find them on your own. You know, the whole St. Peter's thing. For you to even talk to the nun, nobody suggested that you should do that. You had to figure that all out by yourself. And I'm always thinking, well, how do I spot the other people out there who are all on their own trying to figure it out by themselves and they just need someone to reach out and say, hey, I've I've found a way. Who knows? Maybe there is no answer to this stuff, but it fascinates me. And... Yeah, it fascinates me too. But but I and I agree with you. You need um, you need someone in your life to um, to just walk it with you, even. Mm. Did you have any peers with this? I mean, was there anybody else changing alongside you? No. 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 My um, no. Um, most of them don't understand me. Mm-hmm. I had um, I had uh, a couple of um, associates that were um, in the in the same business as I was that were um, looking at me as if I had uh, uh, fallen off the deep end, mm-hmm. and because uh, it's it's such a it's such a way that is so counter to our culture um, that I, that I think it's it's. Uh, yeah, it's impossible for a lot to to grasp, but I think it's I think it's mandatory. I think I think um, well, it's not mandatory. I guess if you want to, you can change this way and you can live a better life. You can you can have all of the the money that you want and be this way. You, there can be both. Um, I'm not sure on the girl side. You'll have to answer that question, but. Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm happily married now. That worked out pretty well. She definitely wouldn't have. Yeah, so being dishonest. So, I, so I think that that you can do both. I think you can have both, and I think that when someone gets to this position of being able to to have both, um, then you have less stress in your life, and I think you have peace too, uh, and you can be happier. Um, in, in your life. I think those are two of the results that are the good things that can come out of why people need to make this change. But it's very hard because when someone's, you know, running off on their hundred foot yacht, um, 
Yeah. You say, okay, let's run off on your 100-foot yacht, but let's bring a whole bunch of underprivileged children on the boat for an hour. Let's use it maybe that way and see how you feel. See if you, you know. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my, I think there are positives of, of doing it both, having both. Well, you might be hitting the bullseye with that. I think the perhaps subconscious preconception that people have of this idea is I can only choose one or the other. I can be vulnerably raw and real and sacrifice all the other stuff. Or I can play the game and get all the stuff, but I have to hide who I am. And now, without realizing there's a third option, you be vulnerably raw and real. And at a slower pace, you can also kind of get the stuff, except you won't be getting it like taking it. It'll be given to you. It's very hard for people, I think, to have faith in that until they've experimented with it. I mean, that's what you and I have in common. Yeah. We both had such psychological crisis that we really had no choice but to try another way. And because we tried it, we saw the results of it. Like I saw girls actually like me for who I am, weaknesses, warts and all. I thought, oh, that's mm-hmm. actually possible. That's so much easier. I can just be anything. I can be tired. I can be not funny today. I can be anything. I don't have to try. Who, who would have thunk mm-hmm. it? You know, being, being honest doesn't mean being alone. But I couldn't believe that until I saw proof of it. And to see proof of it, I had to try it. And I had to try it for quite a while too. I mean, I think I was deliberately attempting to be more honest for a number of months before I actually got any positive reactions to it. Because at first it was so full of shame and so hesitant and apologetic that, you know, I was just putting people off with my delivery, if anything. It wasn't really the information. It was just, I was kind of creeping them out. Later on when I (laughs) became bolder with it, well, I'm like, yeah, this is who I am. I'm scared to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, People started to actually listen. And yeah, some people hated me. Some people just indifferent to me and walked away. But for the first time in my life, some people loved me, not just liked me, not just approved of me, but actually loved me. Um, And that was like, oh, I didn't know that could happen. And I don't even have to try. That's fantastic. But it, was, it wasn't the instant gratification style of winning. It was the long-term, let's see let the chips fall where they may, and sort of I'll collect what is given to me, um, which I think I'm getting a sense that this is a transformation that's occurred in your business as well. So business is still thriving, yet now you don't have to play a game. You're just being you, I guess. Yeah, it's a lot less stressful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have that weight of uh, protecting yourself so much and um, trying to be the rock, uh, then um, it's a lot less stressful. But what happens is you end up being the rock anyway. Right. That was kind of the point, isn't it? Is you think vulnerable is weak, but once you're fully in it, you're often the strongest person in the room because you've got nothing to hide, something invincible about that. And you, you give people, other people the permission to do it. Like what I love in your story is I'd almost love to hear how that nun came to those conclusions herself, how she was able to be vulnerable and role model that to you. And she would have learned that from someone else. So now she becomes the strong person by being the vulnerable person. Uh, it's kind of like a legacy that gets passed on. It's something I'd always hope to, you know, I do coaching deliberately to help people with this, but I also hope if I just live by it, when I'm interacting with people in all situations, some people will feel like they've kind of got like a safety there that they can do it too. They can try it out. They can say some things that have been on their mind without having to worry that I'm going to use it against them. And maybe they can practice. Do you find that people open up to you more now? Yes, I, I find that um, um, uh, that people are much more uh, open to talking. Um, I would say the, in the business world, they are still very. Um, there's a lot of um, non 
you know, protection going on, non, non-vulnerable people. Um, but, um, and in that I've, I've been able to recognize it and it doesn't, I don't, I don't go into that soup with them. I just kind of keep myself out of the soup and know that, okay, he doesn't want to be vulnerable. He doesn't want to tell me uh, what's really going on here. It's okay. Um, that's up to him. Um, but in, in real life, um, I find that people do uh, open up uh, to you. If, if people are, are um, sitting around uh, having a glass of wine or something, and, uh, and I'm able to share a story, a personal story, I'll find that they'll start sharing personal stories too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, it becomes a little bit, uh, a little bit easier for others to also open up in, in your own example. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that as well. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I guess us doing this conversation is a way to create that for people digitally you know, hopefully some people will listen to you and actually maybe just feel a bit bolder and giving it a go. Um, I like that you, you're not naive about this either. You understand that in some situations you can lead, but maybe other people won't follow. Maybe they're too rigid. Maybe the situation's too high stakes for them. They're just not ready yet. And it sounds like you have an acceptance around that. Like you just leave them be, it's their journey kind of thing. And you just, I like how you say, stay out of the soup. I always talk about not sliding down into the pit with them. Um, yeah, very similar. <laughs> awesome stuff, Albert. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I want to say, I mean, if obviously you've got your book and I'll be posting a link to that um, in the show notes as well. But if someone wants to, to know more about you and, and hear more of your story, where would you recommend they go for that? Um, they can, um, they can contact me, uh, through LinkedIn Mm -hmm. if, if they want. Um, and, uh, or, um, I'll, I'll give you a contact and they can contact me through you also. Um, and I'd, I'll be happy to, um, talk with anyone if they mentioned that, uh, they heard, heard, heard us talking. Um, I'll be happy to talk with anyone, give them, uh, some free time. Uh, if I have the time uh, and uh, hear what they have to say, uh, if they have a problem with their, their project and they want to talk to me about it, um, if they just have a life problem too, I'll be happy to give them my, uh, my two cents, so to speak. But uh, um, yeah. That's awesome. Man. Um, well, I'll definitely uh, be putting people in touch with you and what's, you know, to wrap things up, what, what's next for you? What are you What are you planning for yourself over the next months or years? Um, well, I'd like to um, I'd like to take uh, what you and I have uh, been talking about and and try to uh, spread that message more sure. uh, throughout uh, whoever will whoever wants to listen. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I'm still going to uh, dabble in my uh, my real estate stuff. Um, I've got some projects that I'm looking at. Um, so I'm still going to stay there. I, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, there's a lot of creativity involved with it, and uh, I like that. Um, but I also want to um, um, share um, my knowledge, both business-wise, but and in these life situations that you and I have talked about, more with uh, with people out there who who are having a problem, who who need help, maybe working through some something, who are afraid to maybe talk to a nun <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, just uh, that. So that's my, that's my game plan going forward. Excellent. Maybe we should write, maybe we should talk about a book together. Absolutely. Business and vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beyond winning. I really like that. I'm so going to name that. <laughs> Feel free to use it as you see fit yourself. I mean, it is yours. Um, well, look, Al, thank you so much um, for for reaching out to me. That was vulnerable of you as well. And yeah, just jumping on and sharing straight out of the gate, you know, the, the deep truths that you've discovered the long, hard way. You know, I, I think one of my biggest struggles in my life is to, to read and, and listen to wise people 
and try to implement their lessons without having to go the long hard way, without having to really go through all the pain to finally believe them, to just be able to trust that what I'm hearing makes sense, it touches me at the core, it resonates with me, and I don't need to wait, I can just get straight into it and practice it. And I hope that people, whether they're in pain and crisis right now or not, even if they're in that winning space, that they hear what you're saying and maybe they can make a course correction at this point, or at least just try it out to see if it is a, is indeed a, a great way to live. So thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me.